Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter four. Last time we saw that relationships in Christ work because of who we are in Christ, okay? So we're gonna continue on that subject. Uh, so just quick review. What we have to do is we gotta recognize that we have one Lord, one faith, that's what we're gonna see today, and the question on the floor tonight is gonna be, can you live out the reality of who God is in your life? Can you live out of you what is true in you, what God's doing in you? So in verse one we saw that, that, that the saved in Christ are in the ministry of reconciliation. Ephesians four starts this way, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the, of the vocation wherewith you're called. So if you're a believer, you're called to a vocation, compare scripture with scripture, it's the ministry of reconciliation. We have a world to reach, we must reach the world, it's the command of our king. That means we gotta work together if we're gonna get it done, so verse two, we gotta have verse two. If we're gonna walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called, we're gonna have to well, yeah, we just have to have verse two. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. You're gonna have to work out your relationships, which means you're gonna have to work out your dysfunction. You're gonna have, like, like the people that, that God has in your life, they're going to come up short, they're gonna frustrate you, they're gonna hurt your feelings, they're gonna, did I say that wrong? They're gonna hurt your feelings. I don't mean to belittle the fact that you got your feelings hurt, maybe I did a little, um, I mean, it's gonna happen. So we gotta grow up, we gotta get over it, and we gotta work out these disappointments. We gotta work out, you know, man, some of God's people, you're worthless in ministry because this church isn't dotting its I's and crossing its T's the way you want it to. And people aren't, you're worthless in ministry because the people in this church aren't meeting your every expectation. If somebody steps on you, if somebody offends you, if somebody hurts you, you ought to go talk to them about it and say, hey, here, here's what, is rubbing me the wrong way. Uh, this, this is what, this is, this is the thing that's sticking in my craw and I, I, need, I need to tell you this, I, we need to work this out. Uh, you're not gonna always get your way but you ought to be endeavoring to keep the unity, verse three. We have to fight for this, right? We have to, we have to work at this and it does take work. People are hard to get along with because they got, I mean, they're, they're made of dirt. They've got an old nature and sometimes it shows. So we have to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And so we have to be all about it because point number four, that's the first one on your notes tonight. We have, to, we have to be all about it because of who we are and what we have in and from God as believers demands it. Who we are in Christ, what we have in the person of God as believers demands that we walk worthy of the vocation. That we're, called, that we're called to. We have to have the right view of one another. We have to fight to keep unity. We have to work at this. So here it is, verse number four. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. So there it is, I mean, check it out. Based on who you are and what you have, we have to live out verses one through three. Uh, we serve the living God. This is not a watered down, weak unity that we're striving for. The unity that we're fighting to maintain is found in the person of God himself. So it's not weak, it's not watered down. 
No, this is a unity that's based in our identity in Christ. We have to take it seriously. You say, you don't understand. Um, uh, you know, sister so-and-so or, or brother what's-his-face <laughs> said this, did that, right? Perpetrated in some way and now, you know, I'm, I'm mad. My, my, my feelings are hurt. I'm, I am upset. Okay, to the extent that you, uh, you know, I don't know another way to put it, to the extent that you go on strike, the workforce is diminished. And our capacity to shake the nations for the glory of Christ is reduced. Because you won't put your hand to the plow because you're, too bad, you're, 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 you're spending too much time being upset over how everything isn't going your way. You know, a lot of times things aren't going your way because nobody knows that you're hurt. Nobody knows that you've got, I mean, that you've got this issue because you won't actually speak up and get help working it out. So who are we in Christ? Why do we have to take this seriously? Well, there's one body. That's what verse, verse four says. That's what the first three chapters of this book are all about. We're all one in Christ. This is so important. This is the topic of Christ's last prayer in his earthly ministry. In John chapter 17, here we have the Lord's prayer and he's actually lifting us up to the Father. John chapter 17, verse 21, he prays that we'd all be one, right? Look at verse 21, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. How one are God the Son and God the Father? These three are one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three are one. They're pretty one, right? They're, they're absolutely one. Uh, they're the living God. And we're to be one like they're one. You know, but this church didn't meet your expectations in how we set up the, the donut station on Sunday. <laughs> this church didn't meet your expectations in terms of the worship set that we brought on Sunday. This church didn't meet, you know, people come up with lists, reasons for why they're justified in their mentality. They've got the right to go on strike because things aren't going their way. It's, it's messed up. No, we're to be one. Just as the Godhead is one. What's hanging in the balance? Here it is again, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. I mean, we've got a planet to reach, so we have to take this seriously. The glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Okay, so how are we gonna do this if we're full of bitterness and criticism? How are we gonna do this? You know, nine-tenths of God's people who are upset about something, you don't even have all the data. And if you had all the data, you'd know you're mad about nothing. Uh, you'd be ashamed of yourself over your attitude toward your brothers and sisters in Christ if you had all the data, but you have your perspective and you know what you know and you see what you see and therefore you're justified to just, you know, take your cupcakes and march home and eat them yourself. I mean, it, I and them, thou and me, that they may be perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Isn't the love of Jesus wonderful? Yeah, I love my church, I love God's people, I just can't stand to be around them. Who wants that relationship? Who wants that life? Who wants that God in their life? 
Why do I have to put up with another brother in love? Well, because God's made me one with him. One of the things that's so great about marriage, we should have added that to the prayer list tonight. There's so many single people here. Uh, we ought to pray that they find each other, um, you know. Um, yeah, we ought to pray that. Because, now, now here's the thing, Th- this comes up a lot, okay? People will say, well, why don't we have a singles ministry? Well, because we're not gonna identify ministry around whether or not you're in a marital, sexual, f- sexually fulfilled relationship. Okay, your identity is not based in are you married or not, it's based in Christ. And so we, I've seen that before, I've seen it go horribly wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not gonna have a singles, I mean, we have a singles ministry, right here it's prayer night. Praise the Lord, let's, let's, we'll call this our singles ministry. Okay, so, uh, well, why do I say this? Well, because, man, marriage is a genius institution. I mean, it's just genius because now two people are stuck together until death do they part. There's this viral video going around of this, this uh, comedian that's talking about you know, statistics and how they can be used and he puts up, a, he's got a flow chart or he's got a, 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 a power deck, a power slide, PowerPoint presentation and, he, and, he, and, the, and the first statement comes up, you know, 44% of marriages end in divorce. He goes, that just sounds really awful. He says, until you consider the rest of the marriages, how do they end? Well, in death. (laughs) 56% of marriages end in death. And I thought, that's brilliant. I mean, that's amazing. So so either way, it ends bad, (laughs) right? A marriage ends really, really bad. And I thought, man, that's that's right. (laughs) I... I will, if Cheryl dies on me, I will be inconsolable. I think I've already told you. I mean, whenever I go through those stages of grief in the anger stage, I'm peeing on her grave. I mean, that just, there's, <laughs> there's there, there, there will be a, a, a moment of, I'll be tempted, okay? So I'm basically selfish at heart. It's her job to bury me. It's not my job to bury her. That, that's just how I feel. Okay, so. There have been times as a married couple where I'm pretty sure we prayed for one another's death. <laughs> and, and what happens is, you're so, you know, it's till death do you part and you're no, you're no covenant breaker and I'm in it. I mean, I'll see you in the ground before I give up on this marriage, you know, that kind of mentality. And, and what happens is eventually you actually learn to die. I mean, marriage is just genius. The way that God designs it, you're gonna learn to die or you're going to be miserable. You're gonna learn how to die to self. You're gonna learn how to love someone unconditionally and you're gonna go all in on that and you know what comes with that? Man, joy. I mean, it's wonderful to be able to give yourself to love, laying down your life, loving your spouse. Well, we're all part of the bride of Christ. Just, you say, you know, married couples have to do that because they're married. What part about being one in Christ did you not understand tonight? Uh, we're stuck with each other, y'all. And if you get mad and you leave, if you go out from us, it's because you were never part of us. That's what John said. How do you, how, how, how do you not work issues out when, when we're one with one another in the person of God himself? Why do I have to put up with another brother in love? Well, because you're one with him. You're one with her. So you can't say, you're such a hot mess, I want you to stay on your side of the church. I have no need of you. 
I mean, the Bible specifically addresses that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20 says, but now are they many members, but yet one body, and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. So there it is, man. I mean, I don't know. Let's say Brian's the liver. Can you stand up and just kind of do a 360, you know? <laughs> this is the, this is the, li- this is, let's just say Brian's the liver in the body. I mean, how many grew up having to eat livers, liver and onions? You know what I'm talking about? Go chicken go? Yes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> they cheat, okay? Uh, livers are nasty. I, I mean, I mean, don't eat organs. It's not. It is not healthy. Okay, don't do that. I had to grow up eating livers and onions because that's how I'm going to get vitamins and nutrients and iron or something crazy like that. It's just nuts. I know what happened. They found it on sale, and we were just dumb kids, and we bought we bought the lie. No, the liver. You can't live without. I mean, that liver is so critical and so, it's so important. I can't say to Brian, I have no need of him. I actually won't live without him. He's critical to the overall success of this body. Um, okay, so Brian's too pretty to be a liver, but there it is. Okay, verse 23. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. Why? That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. This is why we don't get to get away with being respecters of persons. Every member of this body is mission critical. You say, well, they're, I mean, they're a hot mess. Yeah, man, get alongside them and help them, help them get straightened out. Help them get in the traces with us. Help them to start pulling forward ministry, moving ministry forward in faith. Verse 26 says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And we ought to, we ought to so view each other and so value one another that if, that if you get hurt, I get hurt. And if you're hurting, I'm hurting. If you're crying, I'm crying. It, it, when you rejoice, I should get an, a, an adrenaline rush. You know, man, I got an incredible raise at work. I'm gonna make another $5,000 a year. It's so amazing, brother. I can't believe it. What an answer to prayer. And then what's your response to that? Man, you're not so special. What's so great about you? I mean, I, I should be getting a $5,000 raise at work. And instead of rejoicing with your brother, you're grousing in your heart and you can't, you're, you know, the reason you're grousing is you knew that that brother already made more money than you. Now they're making even more money than you and like, how come I never get a raise? Uh, go home, look in the mirror. Maybe that's, maybe it's you, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's your attitude at work. Maybe it's the way you're clocking in and hanging out at the, at the coffee pot and the donut table. I don't know, man, but just, just be introspective about that. But this brother gets blessed and, and instead of just being full of joy and giddy with this brother, you're full of jealousy. And anim- I mean, there's a smile pasted on your face, but it's not in your heart. Why is that? I mean, you, are, are you one in Christ or not? Man, if you're suffering 
for Christ, if you're suffering because of the mission, man, we should be hurting and enjoying and rejoicing with you. Why? Well, because we're part of one spirit. That's the next phrase. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Uh, I bring this up from time to time. If you're gonna understand this concept, you need to know the transitive property. And the transitive property goes this way. If I'm one spirit with the Lord and you're one spirit with the Lord, then what are we? We're one spirit, aren't we? We're joined to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 says, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Here it is, verse 13, for by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Okay, so there it is again. We're placed in the person of Christ himself. That's why we have the unity that we have. We are in him in heavenly places, Ephesians 1. We're literally baptized into Christ in Romans chapter six. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have, all, have, been, have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. So we need each other because, man, there's one spirit. So we have to care for one another. If we don't, we're not walking in the spirit. We're walk, if, I, if I don't care for you, if you're not caring for me, well, we're not walking in the spirit. We're walking in the, we're walking in the flesh. No, we need to walk in the spirit so we, we don't walk in the flesh. We've got a responsibility to make sure that, that our brothers and sisters, are fo- they're, they're following the Lord, but they're also flourishing in the Lord. And that's hard work, and it's worth it, because it'll be worth it when we see Jesus. Look at the next phrase, one hope of your calling. One hope of your calling. We have a common salvation, and what God begins at the moment our salvation, he will work, he will process, he will keep working until the day of glorification. And that results in a common promise, right? We have one hope of our calling. Jesus described it this way in John 14, verse one. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I was talking to my kids the other day. I'm like, man, whenever we move uh, to Mount Zion, I I, I don't know, I don't even wanna put in a request. Whatever God has planned for me will be great. But part of me hopes I'm close to, like close to a river, you know, that river of life, that'd be kinda cool. Or maybe like one of the little lakes that, that feeds off of it, you know, and just kind of be cool to jet ski in Mount Zion is all I'm saying. So uh, that'd, be, that'd be neat. I don't know how I got on that. Oh yeah, mini mansions, yeah. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. And whither I go, you know. And the way, you know. He's the way. Do you know him? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the way, and one day he's coming for us. Titus 2, verse 13, calls it the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, talk about the rapture, us meeting the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Verse 18 says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So there's one hope of our calling. It starts at salvation, it ends in glorification. There's one Lord, okay, here it is, one Lord. He is Revelation 19, 16, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're one in him. Philippians chapter two, verses nine through 11, talk about how highly exalted he is. Everyone bows the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and they confess that he is Lord, verse 11, to the glory of God the Father. 
So that submission to the king, man, that's what enables us at MBT to love one another. It's what enables us as a local church to love the churches in Kansas City, to submit to one another. Uh, Lord, any way God can use us to further the gospel in Kansas City and around the world, man, what a win. And that's the next phrase, one faith. Okay, now this is not talking about unity with other religions, so don't, this isn't you know, a biblical mandate to go out and get a coexist sticker. By the way, you just ought to know, on that coexist sticker, none of them want to coexist with you as a Bible thumper. Just think about it, okay? Um, we're not talking about unity with all other religions. We're talking again about this unity that we have in Christ. John 14, verse six, again, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no way to a right eternity outside the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can't be done. He is the only way. So the way of salvation is very narrowly defined. All paths don't lead to heaven. There is one Lord, there is one faith, His name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Matthew 7, 13 says, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the great and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. All those lives traveling that road to destruction, they've got the the unity coexist bumper stickers. Many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. I mean, the name on the gospel bus, right? It's Jesus. Christ is the only way. Acts 4 verse 12 says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. Uh, You must be born again. You must be saved. And that's through Christ alone. And, And so, of course, there's one baptism. There's seven baptisms described for you in the Bible. And all seven baptisms, all the other six, picture the one true baptism Even biblical immersion, baptism by immersion, is a picture of the one true baptism. And that's described for you in Romans chapter six. At the moment of salvation, we are baptized into the person of Christ, into his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, It's immersion into God himself in Romans six. And then one God. There is one God, there's only one God. In the beginning, God, there's only one. There is nowhere, there is no when that he isn't. There's no place that you cannot find him. There is no place where he is not at work. He is the father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So he is in us, Does it, is it evident of us? That's so critical. Christ's testimony is on the line. Um, we know who he is, we know what he is. Okay, so his testimony isn't on the line with us. It's with everyone who knows us. Uh, It's by our love one for another that the world will know that we're his disciples. It's in our ability, right, to move forward together in faith. That's how the work of the ministry gets done. He's the father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. The all there are the believers. It's Christians. This is a letter to the church at Ephesus. It's to the local church. Now, here's the bottom line. You either believe this or not. You have, please note, every, everybody in this room know this about yourself. You have the ability to agree with everything that I just said, but still hold on to your justifications to be divided from your brothers and sisters in Christ. 
You have the ability to give mental assent to truth, but then be justified in rebelling against what the Bible describes should be true of you. You won't submit to that because you're hurt, you're angry, you're whatever, you're frustrated, you're mad at somebody, you're mad at another brother or sister in Christ, and so you're gonna keep your toys and you're gonna go home and, and to that, on the level that you're refusing to move forward in faith with a local church, this local church is hindered to that extent. Uh, the testimony of who we are in Christ is hindered to that extent. The spirit is grieved to that extent. Now you either believe this passage or not. Now for some of you it's just head knowledge and it never makes its way to your heart. You know, people talk about salvation. A lot of people understand academically the concept and the terms of salvation, and they'll even agree with it mentally, right? They, they, they get it in their head, and then the old timers will talk about it this way, how they missed heaven by 18 inches, right? They understood salvation here, they didn't understand it here. They never came to a place where they submitted their life to the gospel, they never believed on the gospel. Intellectually, they agreed with the terms, they agreed with it, but they never gave themselves to it. We're saved by God's grace through faith. It is a gift of God, it's not of ourselves. But the work of faith is believing the word of God, and believing isn't just the word of God is true, no, the word of God is true over me. I'm gonna submit my life to it, I'm gonna submit my life to its terms. So what starts, at the gal- what starts at the gospel, what starts at salvation continues in every part of your life. It, it ought to continue through every part of sanctification. James 2 verse 19 says, thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. You know, the devils know what's true, they're not submitted to what's true, and it won't do them any good in eternity future to know what's true. For eternity, they're gonna be separated from a loving father. Why? Because they're in rebellion against them. And this can happen even with, I mean, even with believers in a church like this. You'll agree and say amen to biblical truth, but when, we're, when we get to the place where it's time to submit to it, is that biblical truth true of my life? Well, you know, I know what the Bible says, but here are my many justifications for why I can ignore it and just move forward the way that I wanna move forward because I got my reasons. And brothers and sisters, it is wicked. You say, but I'm hurt. Man, would you give it to the Lord? Would you give it to the Lord Jesus Christ? Start there. Ask him for help, right? Give it to a a trusted brother or sister in Christ and ask for their help. I mean, if you're gonna follow a biblical principle, Matthew 18 says you ought to just man up or woman up and go talk to that person and say, here's what's going on. But at the point where you recognize you need help, right, because this brother or sister won't work it out, well, get another brother or sister, take it, get, get help. You say, I don't know if I can do that. Well, you're one of those weak, feeble-minded people that we're supposed to support. So there, no problem, go get help. That's what I'm saying. Go get help, even if you have to say, I'm too weak. <laughs> I'm too weak uh, to move forward and work this out with a brother or sister on my own. Would you help me? Uh, well, we gotta help you. Why? Because we can't lose any of you. The work is too critical. We got a planet to reach. And we can't do it if we're grieving the Holy Spirit and we're spiritually powerless because we got a bunch of people that attend this church 
but won't actually join with us in the love of Christ, being who Christ has called us to be, and making disciples. Man, I mean, brothers and sisters, you get to be a part of something, a group of people that are, that are sold out to winning souls, making disciples, and, and training and equipping leaders so that ministry can multiply around the world. Know before the Lord. Not everybody is gifted in the same way. Not everybody has the same gift set. Not everybody has the same calling. But do you know that you know that you know that your life is falling out to be a part of something that God is doing that's rocking the nations for God's, God's glory? Are you at peace knowing that, that you're at the center of that, that you're a part of that, that you're, 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 you're helping uh, to labor in that? Um, well, I got hurt, so I feel justified not contributing. I just want to attend. Mm. Don't ever let that season last long in your life. There's too much at stake. Uh, the work is too critical. We got a planet to reach. And Christ's name, Christ's testimony, is hanging on our relationships. Um, can I just give you Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 as homework? Would you spend some time in it this week? Would you consider it? Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, I'm begging you for the hearts of my brothers and sisters. Lord, don't let us get away with immaturity. Don't let us get away uh, with what we think are valid reasons uh, to be separated from that brother, that sister in Christ, uh, that work that you called us to. Lord, I thank you that, that you designed marriage the way that you did. Uh, no two people ever get married and then per perfectly fulfill each other's hopes and desires. Um, but Lord, you expertly use marriage to bring us to the end of ourself and uh, bring us to a place where we can just simply love and give ourselves to the laying down of our lives and love, loving our spouse. And, and, and what's true of marriage is true of the relationship that we have in this church. And, and Lord, I, with all my heart, I believe that you designed it this way. And, and uh, the failings and the frustrations of the relationships that, that, that we inevitably encounter in this church, Lord, you're using them to get us to come to the place where we get over ourselves and we can just lay down our lives loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, contributing to their edification. Lord, there are so many people that see so many things wrong in this church and you gave them that insight so that they could be a help and instead they just get frustrated and bitter. Uh, Lord, would you grow them up and would you help them to see their need to be a part of the wholeness <laughs> of the health of this local church, that every member might be edified, uh, that we might be able to effectively move forward in faith? Lord, we need our brothers and sisters and I can't, I can't make anybody work anything out, but God, you can pour out your spirit in conviction and you can convince and, and Lord, you can, you, can, you can open eyes and Lord, you can show, you can show need. Uh, Lord, these are things that you can do. Lord, bring us to a place of willingness to work uh, for your glory in the lives of our brothers and sisters. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.